You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live on a Thursday as we are in the uh, final week of ordinary time for some time until we get to the summer. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer are joining you today, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, and we're coming to you from our Grand Forks studios. And uh, we have with us um, an ethicist, a uh, Catholic priest, um, who works with the National Catholic Bioethics Center and uh, numerous other, certainly, ministries besides, Father Tad Paholchik. Uh, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thanks so much, Father James and Father Jason. Great to be able to join you. It is a real privilege to have you with us. Um, before we get into the meat of the topic that we're going to be discussing today, can you give us a little bit of an orientation of uh, uh, of your background and some of the um, uh, some of the uh, ministries that you were involved with? Yes, sure. I uh, I've worked with the National Catholic Bioethics Center for now about twenty years, and um, my background is that I was trained as a neuroscientist and was doing genetics and molecular biology work. And then, uh, as I studied to become a priest, I also focused on bioethics and medical ethics, uh, you know, in depth. So all of that kind of came together nicely with the opportunity to work at the National Catholic Bioethics Center in Philadelphia. And the work that I do involves a lot of educational work, so I travel around the country. I speak on current issues. Uh, For example, there was a period of time, as you all recall, when embryonic stem cell research was on, on the news practically every evening, and I spent several years addressing that issue. Now I travel and speak on end of life issues and other kind of current issues, for example, the transgender uh, agenda. I deal with that quite a bit now because that's very, very current and ongoing as a, as a controversial area. So I also run uh, some educational initiatives. I run a certification program that's a year-long online program for studying Catholic bioethics. And uh, I also assist at the center with work that we do to Uh, provide a major conference for the bishops every two years in Dallas, Texas. Um, This is for all the United States bishops and also Canadian bishops and Central American bishops are invited. We do this in collaboration with the Knights of Columbus. So again, another important educational outreach where we, you know, help the bishops to kind of stay current on the latest controversies and issues in medical Mm -hmm. ethics. I also noticed from uh, this uh, brief curriculum vitae that I'm uh, looking at here that uh, you have and and continue to um, offer your services in uh, being an adjunct professor uh, for various um, uh, young men who are preparing for the seminary. So uh, you have had the opportunity and and you have the opportunity to have a hand in uh, helping to uh, educate them and form them in these issues as well. Yes, that's correct. I teach, I've taught at a number of seminaries over the years and really enjoy that work. You know, it's an opportunity to see the, uh, the arriving crop, if you will, of future priests 
and very inspiring. I think I, I, I'm always impressed with the uh, mm-hmm. the candidates and the, their quality. You know, these days, I feel like you have to kind of go against the current a bit in order to decide to become a Catholic priest these days, which a uh, little different than perhaps in the past when there was more societal esteem that right. automatically accrued to you. Yeah, yeah, it tests their mettle, you might say, just to step forward and to begin formation. Uh, Well, one of the main topics that we want to discuss with you today, Father Tad, has to do with Catholic funeral rites. And um, something that I suspect a lot of our parishioners aren't particularly aware of, or at least they may not be thinking of, in a proactive way. So we're um, really looking forward to having uh, this conversation with you. Um, So let's just uh, begin with uh, some some of the um, uh, some of the basics that you would like to uh, remind us of when we talk about the um, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy that are involved with uh, our faithful departed. Well, I think one of the key angles here involves this sense of duty that I think all of us have, which is that we should show respect for the remains of the dead. Now, when you use the word respect, it's a word that obviously calls for some dialogue to clarify what does it mean to respect dead people. And, you know, we have certain laws on the books against desecrating human bodies, and we all understand that sort of thing, uh, that that's not appropriate. But then there are questions around how do you handle the bodies of people who have died, and what constitutes appropriate practices, and where might there be some questions and some concerns, for example, around cremation or around another newer procedure that's sometimes referred to as dissolving the dead. You know, do these raise some ethical concerns, and maybe do they raise questions about us not showing appropriate respect for people after they have died. Yes. So I think that's an important sort of angle that we as medical ethicists uh, focus on quite frequently. Well, I think it would be very appropriate if we spent some minutes here uh, just in regard to the whole concept of cremation and how that fits in with our Catholic faith and theology, and then from your your perspective as well, um, just because on, on the pastoral level at, at, the, at this time, it's, it's how do you say, it's all the rage, you know, yeah. um, and and it's amazing how it's affecting very deeply on so many levels. Um, uh, uh, yeah, just people's relationship to death and dying, and their also their expectations of what what's going to happen. Necessarily not informed as a Christian or a Catholic. Um, with a funeral, and then it kind of comes in conflict. And as as priests, we kind of get caught in between all of that. So it, it would be good to hear um, from your perspective, Father, um, some things about, especially in regard to cremation and, and our Catholic faith. Yeah, I think the cremation, uh, the the spread of cremation practices that we've seen. I mean, one can understand sometimes there are very practical issues like cost. And cremation definitely is less expensive than doing a full casket burial. Um, And, you know, there are also sometimes people who, before they die, do express the desire to be cremated, and other family members then will feel the weight of that request 
uh, and want to, to do that, to follow up on that request uh, for their loved one. The issue here, I think, in, 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 a, in a big way is really when we have a situation where cremation has occurred, are we being very careful to handle the ashes in a way that is appropriate? Because I, I think, you know, I'd like to make an analogy to people and say, you know, are, are you doing something with those ashes that you wouldn't do if you had the full body in front of you? So, for example, keeping the ashes of grandma on the edge of the fireplace or up in the attic, I mean, you would never do that with a full human body. And yes. so I think we need to, you know, ask ourselves sometimes uh, those types of questions, because the Church is very, very clear that that is not an appropriate way for us to be handling the cremains afterwards, that once cremains are uh, prepared, they can be present at a funeral mass, but then the expectation is that there will be an interment that will happen, you know, at the family plot or in a mausoleum in consecrated ground. And this is very important that we not allow then the urn to travel to other places and we don't allow the urn to be opened, for example, and ashes to be spread, or certainly never should those ashes be mixed with another person's ashes, nor should they be divided. Um, and part of the reasoning there is that these are the mortal remains of one person, and we have a duty to respect those remains. And this means you know, we're going to inter it and recognize that these remains, as they stay together, are an important symbol and reminder to us of the person who once lived in our midst. And we have hopes for their resurrection, their bodily resurrection, uh, you know, at the general resurrection of the dead. So I think this is an area where pastorally it gets kind of complicated, and people often say, well, I want to scatter the ashes in the forest here, or scatter them here or there over the ocean, and, uh, and that's something that, that the Church would not approve of and strongly urges people to make sure instead that those ashes are right. interred. We also run into difficulties when there are high-profile Catholics who, uh, according to uh, reports of the mass media, make exactly those choices, and people you know, will innocently ask us, well, okay, that mean, that must mean that something has changed in terms of uh, the church's outlook. And so uh, we are put in the difficult position of explaining, you know, how best to care for, uh, you know, cremains, uh, despite what we may have seen people exhibit. Like, um, you know, I, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school here, but uh, with uh, John F. Kennedy Jr. back in the late 1990s, how they insisted upon scattering his ashes is, you know, in, in the sea near where his uh, plane had crashed and various things like that. So we're going to need to step away for a quick break, but when we come back, we'll continue to talk about the importance of Catholic funeral rites and especially the respect given to the body and the understanding of the human person as body and soul. So we have Father Tad Paholchik with us from the National Catholic Bioethics Center, and we'll talk more with him after this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live.
I'm Father Richard Kunst with a Papal Minute. There's been a long history of anti-popes, men who have claimed to be the rightful elected pontiff when in fact they were not. Although it has been several centuries since we have seen a serious claim of an anti-pope, papal elections called conclaves are to this day influenced by the danger of an anti-pope. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. As the new year begins, now is the time to add some predictability to your life by establishing your will and estate plan. More than two-thirds of all adults have no plan. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio. We have some practical tools to help you in preparing your plan. Please visit our plan-giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701 290 It's a matter of just getting started. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus encounters a rich young man who seems very serious about following him. But when the wealthy young man is confronted with the need for total detachment from his possessions, he is saddened. He cannot go through with it. Discipleship is not comfortable. It is costly. Following the Lord Jesus Christ is both the easiest and the hardest thing we will ever do. Easy because we were created for friendship with him, hard because we need to deny our own ways and opinions and live a countercultural witness to the kingdom. Through our free will, we choose to follow him. Through his church, we are equipped. And by his grace, he will see us home with him. Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer joining you here today. And we have a special guest with us for this segment, Father Tad Boholchik, who is an ethicist, a Catholic priest from the Diocese of Fall River, Massachusetts, working with the National Catholic Bioethics Center and has a a really profound background in uh, degrees in uh, philosophy, biochemistry, uh, molecular cell biology, chemistry, as well as a Ph.D. in neuro science from Yale University and you know other than that he so, really didn't accomplish so father much. gross what you're saying is he's really smart <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, I guess that would be the way to sum <laughs> sum that all up um, so uh, one of the things that we're particularly interested in as we um, uh, are talking about uh, Catholic funeral rites and a proper respect for the the bodies of the deceased 
um, you know, there's there's an inter um, there's an intersection with numerous other things going on here as we look at um, all of the issues with regard to gender um, dysphoria and uh, gender affirming and you know care and uh, as it's called and things like that. You know, it, it's almost like there's a neo gnosticism that is uh, you know disgracing the physical, disgracing the body, considering it as something that is um, you know dis disposable or or not of uh, intrinsic value. So uh, could, could you speak to some of those trends as, as you see them and how uh, the, the church speaks to that and, you know, um, kind of counter, tries to, tries to counter those uh, movements in society? Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're, you're right on there that there's a growing tendency to sort of view human persons and human identity almost in terms of, I am uh, a spirit, I am, you know, something uh, uh, immaterial, but then there's this body that's attached to me as if it's an irrelevant appendage, as if it's almost an accident. And so, you know, when you mentioned the gender dysphoria challenges, I think many people will say, that, well, I was born in the wrong body kind of claim. Yeah. And the Church is always reminding us, no, we are created uh, and are persons who are sexed, and that is an intrinsic part of who we are. It's not something that is sort of optional or disposable or changeable uh, about our essence. And so I think understanding the way that the Church treats the body as sacred is really important. And I mean, the Church insisting that one day this very body in which we find ourselves will not only be resurrected, but in fact will be glorified, and we'll have, you know, all of the, the shortcomings of the body removed, all the disease states, you know, it will be something splendid, and we will exist with each other in community, in a community of love, uh, with our bodies, not just as some kind of free-floating spirits or souls alone, because that's not the kinds of beings that we are. We are not angels, and we have to insist on that very, very strongly. And so that has repercussions and implications for how we then treat human corpses. Yeah, they say that um, one of the, the main tact of Satan, is he does one of two things, where convince us that um, that our, our bodies are evil or not necessarily, and we're like the angels, which we're not, or to convince us that we really don't have a spirit and we're like the animals, we're not different than the animals. And he'll, he'll do, like Satan will do anything there to convince us one way or the other so that we, we deny our very creation, the image, and likeness of God. I think what you're saying there, Father, is so essential that, and, and maybe we haven't done a very good job of communicating about our faith in the resurrection of the body and really what that means, that God isn't just interested in your soul. He's also interested in your body, and he's interested in your the union of your soul and body. The very definition of death is the separation of your soul and your body. Um, here, here's a question that comes up quite frequently, and you might be able to give some light on this one. Um, I'll have... Um, People will come and they'll say things like, well, Father, um, uh, you know, you, as Catholics, we have relics in our altars, and this is, you know, kind of thing. So, so I, I want to I keep the, the urn of my, my grandmother, who's so dear to me, and we're going to separate her ashes into the little 
amulets and pass it out to all the grandchildren kind of a thing. Uh, why, you know, Father Ted, why is that so abhorrent to us as Catholics? Why, why is that a, no, a, a definite no-no? Yeah, I think, you know, the sense about the saints' relics, we have this realization that we want some connection back to the saints. And having connection back to our loved ones, I think that's also a good general sensibility that people have. So when you have a picture of somebody who just died, but, you know, the best way for us to do that is not to keep the urn at home or up in the attic or in the basement, but rather in that consecrated ground of the cemetery, because what? Then we can go, and that becomes the sacred place where we're at the tombstone. We remember the person. We pray for them. We have a connection, and we have a geographical location that we know is special. You know, and it fulfills and really goes beyond, in some sense, that... uh, that that approach with the saints where we're always looking for other reminders here we have it you know immediately present uh, in that cemetery you know how much do you think like the things that we we struggle with a lot of things with death we weren't created for death i mean that that this is a consequence of sin so but how much of all the issues and things that we struggle with death and what to do does it have to do with wanting to be in control like the, i mean so many of these uh, issues that we come upon it it's um it really it's you're usually dealing with a person who um they feel out of control and so they want to control they want to control like the separation of their loved one who's died or controlling the body or the ashes or they don't want to let go i mean how yeah wh- what does that have to do with what all these things we're talking about here well i think you're right to raise that question because You know, the Church will recognize that there is a legitimate arena of control, but we need to always be moving towards assuring respect for the remains of the dead. Let me give you another example of this. A lot of people will ask me and ask us at the Bioethics Center, well, is it okay if I donate my body to science? And we will say to them, yes, it is fine to donate your body to science, That is allowable, and so that's an area where they have some control. Um, And, you know, similarly, we'll get questions, is it allowable to do organ donations after I die? You know, could I donate one or both of my kidneys? And again, we say, yes, you can do that. That is morally allowable. But in both of these areas, it's important to insist, for example, when you donate your body to science, there should be provisions So if you donate it to a university, and let's say at the university your body is going to be used for um, dissection, when the dissections are finished, the university needs to return the body to the family, and there needs to be either a cremation or a burial uh, as normal. And so sometimes families aren't clear on that. They think, oh, once I give the body away to the university, I never see it again. No. There's still a responsibility here. So it's not total control. It's always the Church is saying, show the respect. Yes, certain other uses of the body will be allowed, but make sure that the body is ultimately interred in a proper fashion. And also make sure that in the memory of the deceased that you have masses offered for the repose of their souls, etc. So we need to be thinking always in those, those kinds of respectful and loving terms of our 
deceased uh, family member. Yeah, you know, as you're describing that, I can see that maybe even on the diocesan level, local level, we, we really do need to maybe have some in-services regarding uh, just end-of-life end of things to help educate our, our people. I mean, these are things you can't really address in a homily or, or, you know, but I'm thinking, for example, what you just brought up there, I've run into this a number of times, people who have, you know, donated their, their bodies to science, um, one of the things people don't realize is at the moment of death, um, the family no longer has any authority over that body. And so it's brought up a number of issues, like at that moment of death, when the family has a certain idea of what's going to happen here, normal things that would happen, that actually they can't do anything and make any decisions until, because legally it goes to whoever it was that they have donated their body. And so, you know, it's just basic things like this that, um, you know, things that can sound very virtuous on the outset, but, but to actually walk people through, like realizing here's the consequences to even good decisions that we might want to do for the sake of science or what have you. But, yeah. but there are so many issues, you know, around um, these right. things that we just don't tune into, I think. Yeah, and I think uh, in that realm, as you're pointing out, sometimes there's a momentum that may have been started by a loved one in donating their body to science, and maybe there wasn't good discussion ahead of time. So, for example, when people ask me, should I donate my body, I will say to them, you can do it, but listen, be sure you talk with your wife, be sure you talk with your children, be sure that they are clear on this, because if they don't give permission, if they don't agree to this, it, your decision about donating your body may actually, you know, cause disruptions and problems in the family, and you don't want to do that. Well, Father Tad, we certainly understand how busy your schedule may be, and we appreciate that you are willing to uh, give us this lavish amount of time for this important conversation today. So um, thank you very much for taking this time with us. Uh, blessings to you and uh, all those involved with your ministry. Well, thank you so much. It really was a pleasure to be able to join you, and I hope maybe there will be another opportunity at some point in the future. And God bless your ministry on the radio. Thank you very much. We sure appreciate it. Yes, the National Catholic Bioethics Center, I think they're going to have no shortage of issues to respond to and an important voice in the public square, uh, not just with regard to Catholicism, but uh, in, in the overall conversation. All I know is if you go to the National uh, the, the Center, their, yep. their website, and you click on the, the ethicists that are there, you'll be filled with confidence when you just start reading all the degrees that are behind every person's name it's just yeah it's, it's profound the I, amount I, I of think knowledge that's coming out of this website right now is just it's <laughs> I, I think they have a few people who know what they're doing yes indeed <laughs> so we're going to step aside for a break and when we come back we're going to talk about the curcio retreat program and uh, how this may be a great help to you in your spiritual life and we'll do that after this break you're listening to real presence live this is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 